Bibles, turn over to Thessalonians 5.18. Thessalonians 5.18. We are the week of Thanksgiving, and we always talk about being thankful and, and making sure that uh, we return thanks and, and ask God to, you know, to continue to bless us, thank Him for our blessings and all that He's given us this week. But we want to we look at having, and I know this sounds a little cliche, but we talk about having an attitude of gratitude and you know, I'm, I'm all about that. We need to be grateful, have an attitude of gratitude towards the things that God has provided for us and given us. And so we're going to look at that briefly today. It's, it's not hard to see that we live in a, a really broken and wrecked world. If you look around, I don't care what rock you live under, what state you're in, or what country you're in, this world is broken. It's wrecked. It's been the devil is absolutely destroying this place, and so Jesus told us if you go back in uh, in Matthew, Jesus says that then as the end draws near, lawlessness is increased uh, is increased, and the love of many will grow cold. It's obvious that we live in an ungrateful world. We we don't we don't talk about it enough. I believe if we were more vocal about the type of world we live in, that things would change. But we're afraid of offending somebody. We're afraid of making someone mad. We're afraid of losing friends or loved ones in our lives that they'll turn against us if we just speak the truth. Nobody wants to hear the truth anymore, and so we tend to be ungrateful. We, You read it all the time, we hear about it often, about wrecked marriages and wrecked homes and wrecked economies and wrecked political systems. We hear about all these wrecked things that are going on. It's because the children of God are not taking a stand on the Word of God. We're not protecting what we have, and we're actually not very grateful for what we have anymore. We don't thank God enough for what He's given us. And as Jesus' return gets a little bit closer, the Bible tells us it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And there will be a great falling away of the church. And I believe there is a falling away of the church going on right now. I believe that as we see an older generation pass away and go on to glory, we don't see anyone coming in to take their place. We don't see churches filling up. And what churches are filling up, it's because they bribe them to come in and they're not really having worship. But we just don't have a good, strong generation coming up. And we just don't have a grateful a group of people anymore in this world for what God has done for us. A full life is what we're going to talk about today. Having a full life, full of what? Full of blessings, full of love, and full of gratefulness. That's what we're going to look at today, and what He can give us is a full life. It's not defined by the things that we do or do not have, though. We always look at, at uh, possessions. We look at money, and we look at you know, the cars and the, the houses and things like that that we have in this life. But having a full life has nothing to do with the value of the things that you have. You can't take it with you. Nobody cares about that stuff. We, at, personally, we tend to think that that's, uh, that that's what we're to look at. But we're not. That's not having a full life. A full life doesn't mean having nice things. A full life is defined by how we react to the trials in this life, it's defined by the way that we react towards temptations and the tragedies and things that go on in this life. The way we handle circumstances, that's what defines a full life. When we're full up with the Spirit of God, when we have an abundance of His love and we see His grace and mercy 
every day, then we react differently to the situations that we get in that we encounter each day. We react differently. That shows that is proof that we have a full life. When we turn to Him during trials and situations in our lives, that is proof that we have a full life that He's wanting us to have. One of the main things that can uh, that can sabotage and 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 really strangle a full life is an attitude of ungratefulness. When we are ungrateful for the things that we have, when we're ungrateful for the things that God has given us, then that will destroy our testimony, and it destroys our attitude towards Him. Dr. Adrian Rogers wrote this one time, and, and I believe that we would all agree with this. He says, God's will is what we would want for ourselves if we were smart enough to want it. God's will is what we would want for ourselves if we were smart enough to want it. He's right. If we just knew what we needed, but we just don't know. That's why we have to leave it up to God. That's why we have to rely on His will to get us what we need. Not so much what we want, but what we need. We've got to rely on Him, but we ain't smart enough to to do it on our own, we've got to have him. We're going to read 1 Thessalonians 5.18 this morning. It's going to define the attitude that we're to have. So if you've got your Bible, stand with me just a moment. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. One little verse. One little verse. The Bible says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Conley, do you mind opening us up in prayer, please? Amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. First thing we'll look at, gratitude is seeing that God is good. Now, I don't know that there's a person in these church walls today that cannot say God's not good. You can't say God is not good. God is great. God is great. He has done so much for us. And, and I hate the fact, and I think I probably said about every year, but you know, it's a shame that we set, set aside one day a year to be thankful for what He's given us. Every day is Thanksgiving for the Christian. Every single day that we wake up in the morning and we step out of bed and we drink our coffee and we hear the birds singing and we see the frost on the windshield and, and all that stuff, we should be thankful. Every day is a day of thanksgiving for us that have been saved because He has done so much for us. And we wake up and, and we just are completely just blessed. And so we should be thankful for that. Gratitude comes from a clear vision of who God is. So it takes us a little while. Even though we're saved, it takes us a little while to figure out who God is. We read about God. We, we understand that, that that's Jesus' dad, and we understand that he created the heavens and the earth, and, and that he, he is uh, feeding the beasts in the field, and that he sustains the birds in the air and the fish in the sea. We understand those things, but do we understand who God truly is? No, we can't. For the life of us, we can't. We can study as hard as we want to, but we will not figure out 100% who God truly is. We can't comprehend with our little minds the type of 
person that he is. We can't understand the type of love that he has for us. We cannot understand his omnipresence where he is everywhere at all times. I was reading about Jehovah's Witnesses the other day, and I don't know why. I don't know what ever came over me to even try to read about them guys, but the, the things that they think and that they say and they do is so backwards. They don't even think that God is omnipresent. They don't think that he can be everywhere at all times. They don't think that. So they don't know God. You know how I know I've, I serve a God that's omnipresent because my God is right here with us at Chestnut Dale today. But I also know that my God is at home at Willow Valley today. And I know he's down here in these churches today and up here in these churches today. God doesn't pick a Sunday. I, I was picking on Bob Garbett about this. He's done. He's done it at Crossdoor. They got them a pastor now, so Bob gets to be our director of mission. He's going to float around, and he's going to be at different churches. And I said, you still can't be omnipresent. As much as he'd love to be in all churches at all times as our director of missions here in Avery, he can't. He's not omnipresent. He can only pick one church each Sunday to go to. He's not like God. God is everywhere at all times. But we've got to understand who God is the best of our ability. And we'll not comprehend it this side of heaven. We can try. But we know he loves us. And we know that he sent his son to die on the cross for us. We know that much. And so we'll go with that. The devil has always tried to destroy God's character. We, we can't even, we need to be more Christ-like, I know that, but we need, our character needs to, to mirror or to try to image Jesus' character. Be humble, have humility, love one another, love thy neighbor as you love yourself. We've we got to try to be like that, but it's hard to do because the devil always tries to destroy God's character. The devil tries to destroy our character. Psalms 100 makes it clear that an attitude of gratitude comes from seeing that God is good. We can't stress that enough. I know at, at Willowdale, I, I don't know if they still do this. Paisley goes down there more than I do. But down there at Willowdale, does Eugene still say that? God is good? All the time, God is good? They always, down there at the church, they always say that. God is good. All the time, I don't remember how to do it now, but do you remember? Nah, you do. You still want to talk. But we, got, we need to have those reminders of just how good he is to us. Now, remember, Jesus wants to give you a life that is full of joy and peace, and, and, and he wants you to, to, have, to prosper. He wants you to grow. That's what he wants from us. He, but he wants you to be faithful as well. He wants us to be faithful followers. The devil wants you to have a full life too. Satan wants you to be ungrateful, though. God wants us to be grateful children. Satan wants us to be ungrateful servants. That's all he wants from us. Don't thank God. Don't be pleased. Never be happy. Never be joyful. Never smile. Never have fun. Never give thanks. Never uh, consider your blessings. That's what the devil wants. Forget that stuff. Because God ain't as good as you think he is. But we know God's character. And he really is good to us. He knows when you ignore God's will. And it will lead to darkness and destruction. The devil, all he wants from each one of us is for us to get outside God's will. That's all he wants us to do. He will do everything in his power to make sure that we divert off the straight and narrow and we get over here on the wrong path and get outside of God's will. And you, if you've ever been outside of God's will, you know it's the most miserable place on the face of the earth. 
Outside of God's will is the devil's territory. And he wants you there. He wants you in his playground. God turns these people over, though. When, when you get outside of God's will and you, you, when you're not saved and you keep the, uh, refusing Jesus and you keep rejecting Jesus and you keep refusing and rejecting and refusing and rejecting, then he's going to turn you over to a reprobate mind. That's what the devil wants. The devil wants you to stay outside of that will. He wants you to be turned over to him by God. That's what he wants, and he's begging for it. He loves it when we get, he gets more, uh, more children in his possession. God turns them over. God's good enough and loves you enough to turn you over to what, what he wants, and that's worship. God wants you to be turned over to worship. He wants you to be turned over to praising him and honoring him and, and glorifying him. That's what God wants you to do. But at some point, when you start rejecting all the goodness that he has for you, at some point, when you stop rejecting worship, he will turn you over. Psalms, I want you to listen to this. I, I, I had a good time doing this yesterday, talking about how good the Lord is. And I only done like five verses of this right here. If you go through the Bible and you start reading about the Lord is good, Psalm 34, 8 says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Psalm 86, 5, For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and uh, plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Psalms 145, 9 says, The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. Lamentations 3.25, The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. Nahum 1.7 says, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust in him. The Lord is good. If I say the Lord is good, would you say amen? The Lord is good. Amen. I, I, I can't argue that. I don't think we can argue that. He is good. Look at us right now. We're at church right now. Mary went to Vanderbilt this week, and everything turned out well. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. We can say that because he is. Do I need Scripture to back that up? I don't have to, but I don't mind using it. Can I just stand up and say the Lord is good? Yeah, I can. I can absolutely say that. And then I'll throw Scripture at it, too, if you want me to. But I don't have to. Because each one of us is proof that God is good. Each one of us, as we sit here today or stand here today, has been saved by God's good grace, can stand and say, God is good because he saved me. I didn't save myself. He saved me. So God is good. There are many things designed by the devil to distract us from the graciousness of of God. There's so much that he has in this world, and you, you can just imagine where I would go with this, but the devil has all kinds of tactics out there that he likes to use. He will use social media. He will use media in general. He will use our friends. He will actually use our family. This is the devil. He will use these things to distract us from the goodness and the graciousness of God. So we have to develop a mindset of looking for God's goodness in the mess that's in our lives. Even though things might be not looking the best in the world, there's goodness in there. If we just look deep enough through the loss of a loved one, through the sickness in our lives, if we just look deep enough, 
God's goodness is all up in that thing. It's there. We just got to look for it. Look hard. Second thing, gratitude is sharing the Lord with others. Sharing the Lord with others. One of the hardest things sometimes for a Christian to do is to share the Lord with others. He's asking us. As when we're saved and, 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 and we become a disciple of Jesus, he says, you need to go on out there. He tells us to go to the four corners of the earth. Get out there and tell others about him. Hebrews thirteen fifteen says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Now, according to the writer of Hebrews here, thanksgiving or gratefulness is a fruit that's a fruit. That's something that we are to, to give. That's something that we have been given and we are to give back out. Fruit of any sort requires cultivation, don't it? Fruit or vegetable, whatever it is, you've got to cultivate. And you've got to fertilize it to, to make sure that it produces fully. So to have an a attitude of gratitude, we've got to cultivate our attitude and our gratitude. And we've got to fertilize this attitude that we have of gratefulness. There's a lot of work put into it. Like Ethan said about taking an offering up a while ago, that's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. Having an attitude of gratitude and having an attitude of thankfulness to tell everybody about it, it does take a lot of work. It takes courage. It takes a lot of effort. These fruits, they may be nasty things you have to walk through in order to, to have fruit. Old rotten fruit sometimes. Old stinky rotten fruit. Limbs, weeds, things get in your way when you go to produce or to, to harvest. There's things that can hinder you from harvesting. A grateful attitude doesn't happen by accident, though. You have to work for it to, to produce it. Work hard to produce that. Giving thanks is supposed to be a habit. I can't remember what commentary I was reading that in, but it's supposed to be a habit. We we need to give thanks, but we need to mean it, not not say it out of. Don't make it a habitual where it's just something that you just say, 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 and don't mean it. But we've got to make it a habit when we pray and we give thanks that we truly mean it. When we give thanks, Lord, thank you for this meal. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for my friends, my family, for the roof over our head and the the food in our plate. Don't say it because you got to say the blessing real quick so we can hurry up and eat. Truly mean it when you say, thank you, God. Thank God for what you've done for me. God knows how this will benefit each one of us, and he calls us to be disciplined to make it a part of our daily routine. He wants it when we get up in the morning. He wants us to be thanking him when we return thanks at lunch. He wants that in the evenings for supper. When we go to bed, he wants it to be a part of our lives. Acts 1 8 says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. There's the, the key word right there. Shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. He's telling us to be a witness everywhere we go. Everywhere we go. It don't matter if you're at Walmart or Building Supply. Or wherever you're at. He wants us to be a witness. What does a witness do? Witnesses 
tell about what they have seen and heard. You think about Nat and, and Jerry going to court. That you was a witness a lot of times, wasn't you? Both of y'all was a witness. And you have to give an account for what you have seen and what you heard. That's what witnesses do. That's what Acts is telling us that we have to be. A witness everywhere we go. Just like court. You go in and you tell what you seen that day, what you seen during that incident, what you heard during that incident. As a witness for Christ, we have to tell others what we have seen Him do in our lives, what we have heard that He has done in other folks' lives. What we've seen and what we've heard, that's a witness. Be a witness. Be a witness for Jesus. We're called to offer a sacrifice of sharing the good news of the things that God has done for each one of us. He's, he's told us to do that. And I love to hear a testimony. But after my mom got saved a few years ago from hearing Jimmy Townsend's testimony, that was just icing on the cake for me. The, the more, I just, I just want to hear more. Because that's proof that it doesn't come from just the preacher preaching. It can come from anyone giving their testimony. When somebody just stands up and says, God's been good to me, and this is what he has done. This is what I've seen. This is what I've heard. And then somebody comes to know and accept him through that testimony. That's proof right there that God can use each one of us to bring somebody to his son. Witnessing isn't about memorizing somebody else's, somebody else's way of evangelizing. I know a lot of people try to do that. They, they'll, they'll watch somebody evangelize. They'll watch somebody give a testimony. They'll watch somebody the way that they teach or they preach. And they'll try to mimic that. It has nothing to do with that. It's, it's an individual thing. Each one of us has a testimony. And each one of our testimonies is different from the other person's testimony. And he wants us to give that testimony. You don't have to practice it. You don't have to practice it. You don't have to write this down and, and try to memorize it. Let it come from your heart. That's what he affected was your heart. So let your testimony come from your heart. Witnessing is about sharing God's goodness and mercy in your life and what he's done to, for you and to you. Think about that for just a second. Has God done anything good for you in your life this week i mean just just think about it has he done anything good for you this week i'll say yes he has for me that's for me i can't speak for y'all but i know he's done something good for me he's done several things for me this week so that means we've got to share it with people tell others what he's done for us Third thing, gratitude is serving the Lord with gladness. Gratitude is serving the Lord with gladness. Gladness. When we sing these songs, we smile because we mean it. When we give our testimony, we smile because we mean it. We preach, smile because we mean it. Everything we do for God, we need to have gladness in our hearts glad for what he's done psalm 102 says serve the lord with gladness come before his presence with singing y'all probably was hoping i would leave that last part out didn't you 
come before his presence with singing. I'm not going to sing for you. No, nobody, nobody will run out of here. But we should have a joyful noise in our hearts. Even if I hum or whisper, whatever it may be, he says, serve the Lord with gladness. How are we serving the Lord? I serve the Lord behind this pulpit. I've been called to preach. And so I serve with gladness. This is not a job. This is not a job. When I prepare, when I study, and when I come up here and I, I try to preach a little, I do it out of gladness. I'm glad to be here with God's people. I'm glad to share the gospel with folks. I'm glad. Are there some Sundays I have a heart? There's some Sundays that I, I might wake up at 5 or 6 in the morning and think, I, I can't do this today, Lord. I've had a bad dream or I've, I've had something going on at night where I can't sleep good and I'm, I'm not prepared for this. But I'll go out in my study and I'll get ready and I'll, I'll pray a little while and, and it's just like, peace be still. And I have a heart full of gladness because I'm happy that he's called me to do this. I'm glad that he's seen fit to use this to preach. There's a lot better options out there in the world. I don't know why he picked me, but here I am. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. In the New Testament, the Greek word used for giving thanks, and I, th there's actually a lot of nonprofits, Christian nonprofits in the world that use this word right here. It's called Eucharisto. That's the Greek word for giving thanks. It means to be grateful or to feel thankful. Eucharisto, gratefulness. And I use that all in the New Testament. When you won't see it in our New Testament, but that's the, the Greek was that word. Gratefulness is a spirit-filled attitude that leads to a spirit-filled action, serving the Lord God with gladness. That's one of the quotes I was reading this week. Gratefulness is a spirit-filled attitude that leads to a spirit-filled action, serving the Lord with gladness. Gladness here means delight, overflowing joy, and laughter. Having a merry heart. That's what it's telling us to be grateful for a merry heart. Why should a Christian ever be sad? Why should a Christian ever be down and out? We should always have a merry heart. Yes, things happen in this life that are, are going to hurt our, our feelings. We're going to lose loved ones and we're going to mourn a little bit. But we should always have a place in our heart where we're grateful and we're joyous and where we're, we're always happy because we have security. We have security in Jesus Christ. So we can look at an individual that may have struggled, but they didn't know Jesus. And so we should mourn for them. But we can also remember that we do have Jesus and we should rejoice knowing that you know, when I'm dead and gone, I hopefully it ain't hard for the preacher to preach my funeral. I hope it's pretty easy. That's the way I want to go out of this world. I don't want it to be hard for anybody to try to preach my funeral. I hopefully I've done it myself. But we should be serving the Lord with gladness. Be happy whatever he's got us doing right now. Serving God shouldn't be dull. It shouldn't be dry. It shouldn't be boring. 
I say this as y'all are nodding off right now. It, it should be happy. You should be joyful when you go out and serve. It shouldn't be a chore. That's a, the, a lot of people look at serving the Lord as a chore. Well, I'm saved. I guess I better go on out here and do something for him. That's the attitude a lot of people will have. No, be excited to go out and serve the Lord. Be excited to, to do whatever he's called you to do. But have gladness in your heart. Our gratitude can't be tied to just good words. It's got to be tied to some works after salvation as well. God's will for us is for our gratitude to be tied to good works and good words. You can't serve God. I'm, it's going to kind of go back to what Keith was teaching on this morning. You can't serve God with grumbling, laziness, looking, you know, looking at all the bad stuff like the Israelites did. They were hateful. They, they were just miserable people. You go over into uh, Exodus 16, 12, what did they do? They complained about their food. You go over to Numbers 11, 1, they complained about their hardships. They complained. But then you go over here in the New Testament, and Paul and Peter both gave us some, some encouraging news, some, some instructions. Uh, Paul says in Philippians 2, 14, says, Do all things without murmuring and disputing, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of the crooked and preserve, perverse uh, nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Paul told us in 1 Corinthians 10, he said, Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. And Peter told us in 1 Peter 4, 9, Use hospitality one to another without grudging. He's giving it, them guys are giving us some instructions. Don't complain. Don't be an Israelite. Hey, here's some quail. Eat it. Be happy. Here's some manna. Eat it. Be happy. Here's some leadership. Follow them because God has called them to, to lead you. Don't argue. Be happy. Ungrateful complainers are, are, are lumped in with those desiring evil that were destroyed by God. He puts them together. Those that are not saved. Let me back up and tell you that. I'll clear that up for you. Life is a gift from God to be lived for God. When our, when our mouths are, are just absolutely just chock full of thankfulness and, and joy and, and just uh, testimony, they can't be full of grumbling. When all you do is spill out thankfulness because of what God has done for you, there is no room in your mouth to be ungrateful. Same with your heart. If your heart is full and overflowing with thankfulness, there's no room in that heart. For ungratefulness. Keep your heart, keep your mouth full of thankfulness for God, for what He's done for us, what He continues to do for us. You can serve God with graceful activity by giving thanks in all things. And the Bible tells us that in all things give thanks. In all things. Well, Lord preacher, how do you do that? I just lost my best friend. How am I supposed to give thanks? Because God put him in your life. God put her in your life. I just lost a parent. How am I supposed to be thankful for that? Because you got to live under a roof with them, and you got to see godly parents. Lord God, I just lost my job. How can I be thankful for that? Thankful that he gave you a job and an income, and be thankful that he's making a way for something greater in your life. There are always things in your life that you can be thankful for, and to have a grateful heart. Gratitude isn't about the pain and the pressure and the problems you face. It's about the right attitude towards the one who controls all the things in your life. Being thankful for the one 
that controls it all. Having a grateful attitude towards God. Hard to, I know it's a hard pill to swallow sometimes. Give thanks by finding a place to serve for Him. Give thanks that He has given you a testimony and that He will allow you to give that testimony somewhere. Wherever it is, whoever it's to, give thanks that you have a testimony to give. Serving God and His people and those around you is, is part of giving thanks always. Serving God's people, serving the community, serving in general as a way of giving thanks back to God, being His hands and feet, being that vessel. How do we actively make our attitude one of giving thanks? How do we, how do, we do that? Now, I said earlier, to make it a habit and mean it, that's one way of doing it. When we pray, we're giving thanks. Make it part of your prayer life. The Bible tells us, let your request be made known unto God with thanksgiving. Let your request, let your prayers, let, your, let it all be given to God. But it says there, let your request be made known unto God with thanksgiving. Not with grumbling, but with thanksgiving. Thank those that do the simplest and smallest things in your life for you. Thank God for those people in your life that pray for you and are there for you. Bobby called me Thursday and told me what was going on with Jesse. Or Friday, actually, that's when I went to the ER with her. It sounded terrible, but I thank God right then that he felt that he allowed Bobby to feel comfortable calling me to pray. He didn't call to tell me all the details. And I love him for this right here. All he said was, brother, we're at the ER and I need your prayers right now. That's all he said. And I didn't ask questions. I didn't say, why are you there? What's going on? What do the doctors say? It was just, brother, we're at the ER and we need your prayers right now. I thank God that he allows me to pray for people. And I'm thankful that God allows me to confine in people, especially at this church, to pray for me. So I'm very thankful today for a praying church and praying friends. I probably don't thank God enough for that, though, as much as I ought to. I overlook it. I actually take, I think I take it for granted that there's people that pray for us individually. But I'm very thankful for those that do, that pray for us. Stand with me just a moment. We're going to close out. Be thankful for what we have. I heard that my whole life growing up because we didn't have a lot. And I remember my parents telling me, be, be thankful for what you have. And now looking back, I'm very thankful for what we had because it made us who we are today. Very thankful for that. Thankful for my parents and my family. I'm thankful for this church family as well. And I hope and pray this week as y'all get to, we started early, didn't we? We started yesterday with our Thanksgivings, all them Townsends, and it was good. 
it was good to finally, that was for the first time in years that we've all been together. And I was very thankful for that. Very thankful for that. So this week, as y'all do the same thing, as y'all prepare to be with your friends and your family, remember to return thanks to God. Thank Him for what you have and what He's done for you. Let's pray. Lord God, again, we come to you with a, a grateful and a thankful heart. Grateful for this church, this family that we have here before us, for the ones that make up this congregation. God, we're so grateful for each and every one of them, for their their prayers, for their time, for their love, for their friendship. And God, as we go through this week, I pray that we remember those around us that we can call upon in time of need, when we need the prayers. God, I'm so thankful for your love and kindness. God, we thank you for those fruits of the Spirit that you have given us. And I pray, Lord, that we can give our testimony this week. We can reach out to those in our family, those friends that are going to be around us that may be lost. What an opportunity that you've placed before us this week to be a witness, to go tell those folks what we've seen and what we've heard. And Lord, I pray that through the Holy Spirit that you would put us together. And Lord, I pray for salvation through this time that we have with our families. Lord, be with us as we leave this place. Keep us safe in our travels. Be with those that are less fortunate this week. Be with those struggling with sickness. And again, we just want to lift up Jesse Hicks to you again. Lord, just be with the doctors there at Duke and the family as well. Father, we love you today, and we just want to say thank you. Thank you for everything that you've ever done for us, and thank you for what you're going to do for us. All this in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, we'll see you all next Sunday.